Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. As promised here, recording on September 5th, Monday, it's Labor Day this year. I was actually born on Labor Day, just barely, at 8.45 p.m. on Monday, September 6th, 1965. I missed having my birthday on September 7th. By just a couple of hours, uh, and otherwise would have been born on the same day as the great Buddy Holly. But here's another little trivia fact. In 1936, Labor Day actually fell on September 7th, Buddy Holly's birthday. So we were both born on Labor Day, something that I'm very happy about. Wish it could have also been on the 7th. Labor Day actually falls that late in September, somewhat rarely at least from my memory. I don't know how it works out that way, but I just remember that often during my childhood that the first day of school was on my birthday quite quite often because you would always start school the Wednesday after Labor Day, and it seemed like an inordinate amount of time. My birthday was the first day of school, which of course made it a dark day in my (laughs) childhood. And if it wasn't the first day, it was among the first days of school. I always seemed to be just going back to school when my birthday came around. So nothing is ever perfect in this uh, in this imperfect world of ours. Of course, I also remember those days in late June, the last day of school was always my favorite day of the year because even as a young child, I seemed to understand that the anticipation of something is always even better than the realization of it. And that last day I knew that when I walked out that door, that was going to be it for 10 more weeks. You may be surmising that I didn't really like school very much, and that would be a true statement. But what well-adjusted young child really does. But I wanted to talk about Labor Day And all of the dumb tweets and other social media posts making the obtuse claim that we should thank labor unions for not only Labor Day, but the weekend. And of course, labor unions did contribute to getting the holiday 
declared a national holiday. But, you know, what does that really mean? All it means is that government employees have the day off. So we should thank the labor unions for that, certainly. Too bad they couldn't negotiate 364 more days off, and then we'd have far less problems. And of course, the banks close. But outside the government, where it's just declared by fiat, thou shalt not work, businesses generally close that can afford to close on Labor Day. So if you go to the store, you'll notice all kinds of people working there. If you go to anything that provides services to consumers, you're going to find that there are people working on Labor Day there. But you will find many private businesses closed, and they're not required by law in most cases to close. But they do close on Labor Day as well as Memorial Day. Most of them give their employees Christmas and Easter off or a day off that coincides with Easter since that's always on a Sunday anyway. And why do they do this? They do this because that's part of the compensation they're offering their employees to attract more and better employees. And I know this because I've been an employer and have hired hundreds or thousands of people over the course of my career. I've run operations of hundreds of people, so I imagine the number's probably in the thousands. And that benefit package, what we're offering to employees is all calculated as as far as how we're going to get the best employees. Depending on what business you're in, you may want to offer days off a year in addition to weekends or nine, or I've been places where we offered as many as 11. And this is all a cost of doing business to try to attract the employees that you need. And depending on what business you're in, you may need you may have a higher demand for labor hours than in others and depending on what you can afford to uh you'll offer as many as you can as many days off as you can to still maximize the production of whatever it is you're selling or the sales or marketing of whatever it is you're selling. You'll notice too that people in sales rarely take these holidays off I can say firsthand, they're all working on Labor Day and Christmas Day and Christmas Eve because they have an incentive to minimize the amount of sales they make. So if if it happens to be a period where there's just nothing to do on that day, then they'll take it off. If not, in my experience, I was always working on all the holidays, both in sales and as a business owner. So it is true that labor unions, where they exist, will negotiate contracts with employers, and those contracts will include certain concessions to shortening the amount of hours per week for the same amount of money or the, the maximizing the number of days off. But this all occurs because these are government-granted monopolies, and let's not forget that Labor unions are not just this voluntary organization of workers that goes to negotiate collectively with the employer. That's what they'd like you to think. But since the New Deal, that's not a voluntary arrangement. The employer has no choice. The employer must negotiate with any labor union that is formed among the workers at that company. And this is why all of this maneuvering goes on to try and prevent people from organizing a labor union and why there's all this 
agitation that goes on to try and organize unions in places where they otherwise wouldn't exist because the communists, I'm sorry, the labor union leaders realize that once they get a union formed, then the employer has no choice but to negotiate with the union and use its workers. It's a monopoly. And supposedly, all of these left-wingers that support unions so strongly think monopolies are bad, except when it comes to their constituencies. And like any other monopoly, what a labor union does is it lowers the quality and quantity of work, of work produced, of, of the product, and it raises the price. Just what they accuse natural monopolies of doing, like Standard Oil. Boy, they're going to raise the price next year. I know it's come down 23 straight years in a row, but that they're just trying to put everyone out of business to raise the price. Well, natural monopolies never occur, not even in labor. And that's why the Wagner Act or the National Labor Relations Act of 1935 had to be passed because natural monopolies were not occurring in the labor market either. People would go around the union and offer you know, better or the same or better labor for a lower price, and that's why they had to make it a government-granted monopoly. That's why they had to eliminate the possibility that the, the so-called natural monopoly might not hold together. Because it has been the record of history that cartels fall apart, that they don't last very long fixing prices before one or more members of the cartel goes out and, and undercuts the rest. So none of, the natural market forces always proceed towards competition, and that's why it had to be interfered with by the most evil president in U.S. history, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who signed into law this this Wagner Act that basically puts a gun to the head of the employer and says, you will negotiate. Not exactly a strong position to negotiate from. But still, generally, those contracts have a natural limit, labor union contracts, that they can't negotiate for more than the company can afford to pay. Although they do sometimes, and as you saw in... Detroit, they basically destroyed the American auto manufacturing industry. And anyone looking over the books of General Motors when it went bankrupt in 2008 doesn't have to look far to find out what put them out of business. But getting back to this thanking the unions, and I should interrupt and say that I don't think that the proponents of labor unions would find it objectionable to admit that this is not a natural market phenomenon because they think the market is an evil thing. They think voluntary cooperation between people oppresses other people, and therefore they would celebrate that uh, the government came in and put a gun to the head of the employers and made them negotiate. Results be damned. But did they really give us that day off or this day off or the weekend? This is the other one. Thank the labor unions for the weekend. Okay, well, if if labor unions are the reason that working hours get shorter, then why didn't the labor unions, which have existed in this country since the 1700s, why did they not 
just negotiate a 40-hour week in the 1700s? Why don't they negotiate a 20-hour week today and say that no one should work more than 20 hours, but they should be paid, I don't know, double what they're being paid now because that's economically impossible. In a laissez-faire free market, the number of labor hours purchased by companies would be based on their need, their demand for labor. They would purchase just enough labor to produce the number of automobiles that they project there will be demand for in the market when they go to sell them. And of course, all kinds of government interference uh, distorts the labor market, not just labor unions. Of course, I should, again, clarify, labor unions themselves are not the distortion. It's the law that says that the employer must negotiate with them. Because again, we had labor unions before this law was passed, and that was more of a market phenomenon. Although the interference and with the labor market goes goes back before 1935, obviously. So I just wanted to point out, and here's something I can link to it. I'm just getting this off Wikipedia, and they have a footnote for their source. But when you look at the average annual labor hours per worker by country, well, guess what? Who's at the top of this list? Countries like Cambodia, Myanmar, Mexico, Malaysia, Bangladesh, Okay, (laughs) does anyone really believe that if just the labor unions were a little stronger there or could get their way, that those countries would have shorter working hours? Of course, the poorer countries have longer working hours because they're less productive. And they're less productive because they have less capital goods in order to increase the productivity of labor. So people have to work longer to earn enough to stay alive in a place like Cambodia than they do in a place like the United States or Germany or another first world country. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you're enjoying the content here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can support my efforts here a couple of ways at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. You can join my Patreon for as little as $3 per month and get machine transcripts to every episode and access to my members-only MeWe group, while all access patrons also get my paid subscriber-only articles and videos, or you can become a VIP patron to get all of that plus access to all of my online courses and a signed copy of the Tom Mullen book of your choice. Now, if you prefer Substack, I also post my paid subscriber-only content there. Find links to all the ways you can support the show at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. Become a supporter of Tom Mullen Talks Freedom today. And now, let's get back to our episode. I had to say right now I say I loved you after 
So it is the accumulation of capital goods that make workers more productive and decrease the need for as many workers or for as many worker hours to produce the same amount of goods. That's what shortens working hours. Now, a labor union can go in there and negotiate for arbitrarily shorter hours, but if they are successful, and they can be to some extent because the government is backing them up for less hours than the company needs to produce enough goods to meet demand, then of course they're hurting the company and ultimately themselves as all those people in the American auto industry found out when they priced themselves out of a job. Now what really happens is as capital formation is allowed to occur and more capital goods are produced to help workers produce more per worker, that's what productivity is, is the amount per worker produced. Well, if I'm a worker trying to make an automobile by hand, pounding on metal with a hammer and a a mallet, something like that, of course, I'm not going to make very many cars. But if I'm a worker in an assembly line using machines to do a single part of making that automobile, of course, I am going to be able to produce more automobiles or more of my part of an automobile per hour. And therefore, the company is going to need less workers, less worker hours to produce the same number of automobiles. So they can produce what the market demands with less labor. And that makes it possible to reduce workers' hours, let's say, from 60 hours to 40. And this goes the same for wages. I can be paid more if I have a machine helping me produce twice, three times, 10 times as much than since the employer doesn't have to hire 10 10 other people or nine other people to produce the same amount of product, then I can be paid more. And this is what drives up real wages. So the union going in and just negotiating higher wages does not raise real wages uh, because all that's gone up is the nominal amount. If the workers weren't producing more per worker, then just driving up nominal wages is going to drive up prices as well. When you talk in in the aggregate, it's only by raising productivity. And we should have just learned that after 2020, because what did we do? We ordered everybody to stay home, but we raised their wages. We actually sent most people more money than they were making before on average uh, in checks that were just printed out of thin air. Well, did their real wages go up? No, real wages are going down dramatically because of the price inflation that resulted from that artificial, arbitrary rise in wages and the also arbitrary drop in productivity to zero in some cases and definitely dramatically overall during the lockdowns. And really, the effects of the lockdowns haven't ended. All the supply chain stuff is just the predicted results. And I was one of the people that said the first week of the lockdowns, you can't just turn off 
the econ- the economy and then think you're going to turn it back on like a light switch. All kinds of links in that supply chain went out of business and never came back. So we've got the economy producing less, and we know that because GDP is go is decreasing quarter over quarter. We're told that's not a recession, but as I said on a previous podcast, that doesn't really matter. It's still decreasing. And when you've got more workers producing less, real wages are going to go down. And even if they're, the, the number on their paycheck is going up slightly, the number, the cost of the things they have to buy with that paycheck is going up faster. And therefore, their real wages are falling. So you can have all the unions you want, and it's not going to raise real wages, even if the union is able to push up nominal wages. It's not going to shorten the work week because people have to work enough hours to survive, and they are only able to do that if they're provided the capital goods to be productive enough, to produce enough that it will meet their consumption needs. And only then, when they're producing enough to meet their consumption needs, is it possible for them to work less hours and survive. And this is why in 1830, people worked an average of 70 hours a week. And in 1890, they worked an average of 60 hours a week, even though labor unions were around during that entire period, and in fact, very prevalent in the second half of the 19th century, and why people work on an average of 39.8 hours by 1988, because they are able to survive working a lot fewer hours. They're more productive in the aggregate, individually and in the aggregate. And this is why in poorer countries, people still have to work longer hours because they can only produce enough to survive by working more hours since they're not producing as much per hour per capita. And I guess the only other thing that I would say is that arbitrarily limiting the amount of hours that somebody can work is also overriding a, a basic right that they have to work as many hours as they want or for for that matter minimum wages and labor union monopolies who say you're not allowed to work for under a certain amount per hour or per week they're also overriding the rights of people who want to work for less who perhaps will not be able to get hired at such a high wage and of course this is what labor unions do, they exclude workers from the workforce. If you're not a member, you don't get to work in this industry at all in places where labor unions dominate. So we never hear about those people, the people in a union shop or union area that are unemployed because they're not a member of the union. The union is limited membership. They're not taking new people. So when you average in those people that are making zero because they're not in the union, not in the club, it's a big club and you ain't in it. George Carlin, who's so anti-capitalist, the only thing I didn't love about him, never thought about that club, the club that you ain't in called the labor union, that you don't 
you get nothing then. You can't you can't have a job there, or you have to have a much less a much lower paying job because you have to take a job somewhere where the union is not in control. So to wrap it up, I would just say that it is an immutable law of nature that nobody can consume more than they produce unless they get somebody else to produce the difference. That's number one. In general, work hours cannot shorten until people can produce enough in the shorter hours to survive and have whatever reasonable lifestyle that they are they desire. And likewise, that arbitrarily shortened hours below where some people might want to work. Some people might want to work 60 hours a week and make that extra money. Well, the labor union arbitrarily prohibiting that either with a hard stop or by making the price at time and a half or double time too high for the employer to afford, they're actually impeding that person's pursuit of happiness. They're actually overriding that person's right to produce as much as they have an opportunity to produce, to work as many hours as they like or want to, to have the lifestyle they want. So shorter hours are not some absolute good. But again, to the extent that they are possible, they're possible only with higher productivity. And this goes for higher wages as well. So labor unions are kind of this gang that comes in and tries to take advantage of higher productivity by forming a monopoly on labor and then strong-arming companies into buying at prices they otherwise wouldn't, limiting competition for their own product, which is labor, and certainly without the capital formation that occurred because of the free market and the Industrial Revolution, which itself occurred only because of the free market, there would be no surplus for the labor unions to come in there and try and take advantage of. So no, they did not cause Labor Day to exist other than just as a government fiat holiday. And no, they didn't give you the weekend. That was the free market to the extent it was allowed to operate and allowed capital formation to occur, capital goods to be produced and thereby allowed workers to become more productive and able to work shorter hours and enjoy more leisure time. So let's thank capitalism and hope that somehow people stop biting the hand that feeds them and demands more of it. So just a few announcements. I've got some great guests coming. I was at the Ron Paul Institute conference, Anatomy of a Police State, this past weekend. And as always, I got to chit chat with a number of luminaries that were speaking at the conference. We're going to get John Whitehead of the Rutherford Institute on. Boy, that's sure belated. I've been reading his stuff for at least the last decade and a half. And also Colonel Douglas McGregor. If you notice our great foreign policy experts here at Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, Daniel McAdams and Scott Horton, often refer to Colonel McGregor as the actual military expert that they rely on. We're going to get him on and get his expertise firsthand. And just a number of other uh, great guests coming up. Later in the month, Brian Kaplan to talk about his new book, uh, Don't Be a Feminist. 
So I'm sure that'll be an, an interesting discussion and plenty more. So stay tuned. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast already, or maybe you're hearing it for the first time, we got, we're getting new people all the time here, then please subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. And if you like it enough to maybe support our efforts here, don't forget to visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support and become a supporter of my Patreon or my Substack. And as always, if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.